All right, welcome everybody tonight. Um, my name is Carson Ulrich, and I'm able to welcome you all here. Thanks all for coming. Um, I'd like to introduce a little bit uh, Peter and Nate, who will be uh, conducting the discussion today. Peter's a good friend of mine um, who specializes in life coaching, and he's helped uh, dozens of people from all over the world to overcome uh, depression, anxiety, limiting beliefs, and perfectionism. And kind of as a big brother figure in my own life, he's helped me also find more uh, purpose and, and my own mission in life. Um, he's also, in the past two years, has read over 200 books on uh, neuroscience, behavioral psychology, and overcoming severe anxiety. Um, so we're really grateful to have him. He's also been working with Nate. They've known each other since serving as missionaries in Nicaragua. And uh, Nate has uh, been studying relationships for quite some time. He studied with uh, a specialized marriage and family therapist, Elisa Goodwin-Snell, um, and has conducted several qualitative and quantitative research studies on uh, and speech communication and uh, uh, relationship initiation. Um, he's also conducted uh, several events uh, in this area, in the Provo area, to help facilitate social connection and interpersonal communication. We're really grateful to have him. He's also, um, as a dating coach, has coached over 50 working professionals and students to learn how to improve their relationships and find opportunities to connect with people. So we're really grateful to have them here. and really excited to hear everything that they have to share with us from their experience. Uh, working in dating and anxiety and how we can overcome those things. So this is the first discussion of this type that we'll be doing. This is kind of the kickoff. Um, we're really grateful for all of you to be here. So today, they're going to be explaining the goal of this series. There will be many more discussions and seminars to come later on. Um, so today, they'll be explaining the goal of this series and why, why it matters to us, as well as explaining how the principles that they'll teach us in this series can be implemented in our lives to improve our own experiences with dating and anxiety. Um, as, as we move forward with challenges that we face every day. So this is also being recorded for a podcast, seminars to come. They'll be diving more specifically into some specific principles to apply. But today will be more of a kind of an overview to help us understand uh, what the purpose is of, of this series. And so without further ado, we'll also hold a, a Q&A session at the end. Um, but without further ado, we'd like to turn over the time to Peter and Nate. served a mission, right, in Nicaragua, as Carson said, and it was pretty cool because when I first walked into the mission, like, office, it was this guy, and it was Nate Clark, and I looked at him, and I was like, whoa, you're like me. What does that even mean? It's like that line from Spider-Man, but it's true, and as we've gotten to know <laughs> into each other, we're Into the Spider-Verse? Like, Anyone? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Best Spider-Man meets ever. the other Spider-Man, he's like, you're like me. Anyway, that's, it was that vibe, you know what I mean? And I was like, and as we've like gotten to know each other more and more, it's been quite apparent that we're actually way more similar than we ever thought. Not just physically. <laughs> Not just physically. <laughs> Long torsos, short legs. Same shirt. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, not even coordinated. But no, we, we both had a strong, strong passion for for helping people. That's like the biggest thing in the world. And over Christmas, I was in quarantine because I had the COVID and it gave me a lot of time to, to think. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I really, really 
want to do something that blesses more people. Because I run a coaching company and I have a lot of clients, which is really exciting and it's very, very fun to be able to help people and to talk to people and see people progress. It just makes me so stoked. <laughs> I just get so excited for people to like have those moments when they're like, wow, I feel so good. Wow, I haven't felt anxiety in however long. It's just one of the best feelings in the world. And I wanted to reach more people. And I had this thought, I was like, you know, Nate is a dating coach. He's like Hitch. I'm, <laughs> I'm not like Hitch. I'm more like, well, a life coach, like Carson said. And, and I was like, what if we combined the two? And so I called him and I was like, hey, Nate, what if we did something that was able to like reach more people than, than we can reach on our own? And, and, and could help people without us having to make all the calls and do all the things. And he was like, okay, what's your idea? And to be honest, I didn't have an idea at all. I wanted to brainstorm with him. And suddenly, right when I said it, I was like, we build a course. We create a course to help people overcome anxiety and dating and relationships. And, you know, I think <laughs> that that was exactly what we needed to do. And so we started an idea of building a course to help people with anxiety and relationships. And I'm not too stressed about the people here. I know you guys are really, really stellar people. So we're gonna teach as much as we can. We're not gonna be able to teach everything, but we're gonna try to teach everything that we feel is applicable to you guys. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, I, just, I was just thinking, you, you have to understand, like, after doing like over 15 events and coaching, like, entrepreneurial-minded people approach me all the time with ideas. Like, one guy wanted me to, like, run a non-alcoholic bar in Provo and do events there and, like, all different kinds of things. And so, like, my filter has become pretty fine as far as, like, oh, interesting idea. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> um, and so when Peter, like, approached me about, like, doing, like, working together on something, like, there was a little bit more openness because it's Peter, but I was still, like, that filter was still up. But it was interesting, and this was kind of a cue to me that, like, it was something God wanted us to do. As soon as he said create a video course on helping people overcome like anxieties and nervousness um, and connecting, dating, making new friends. Like as soon as he said that, it was like, I'm in. Like absolutely, that's perfect. That's exactly like the next step that I think Connection Heights needs to take. So, and so the whole goal here, we're gonna be helping as many people as we possibly can and we're doing it through a couple of different things. And you can tell us if this is something that interests you but we're really trying to put on some seminars and workshops like this for you guys um, and address what we feel you guys might need. But we're going to be doing a video course with hundreds of hours, hopefully hundreds of hours, probably about 75 hours if we're being completely honest. Probably about 75 hours of video content, which is actually a lot. And um, we're going to put on some group coaching because here's the thing. If you watch a course on how to overcome anxiety, every single case is so specific. It's so different. I've never treated two clients where I was like, oh, let's just copy and paste the same like solution. It's never worked that way. Everything is so specific. So we're gonna be doing group coaching and individualized coaching to help people overcome anxiety and to help people, if you feel that you struggle with maybe social norms or the communication side of dating, then you can talk to us as well. As well, we're gonna be doing a podcast. And there you go. Um, Fire away, Nate. I'm ready. Sweet. Uh, one um, other thing, I just wanted to like kind of throw this out there to open up your minds. I think we all know people that struggle with some with some anxieties or some fears, especially when it comes to, to like 
dating in Provo. <laughs> um, it's, a total di- it's a total different animal. And so this isn't like just to like be something that, um, that we want to like throw out there um, in case you guys are, are wanting something. More than anything, it's something we just want to get out to anyone who needs it. Um, and so that leads me into kind of explaining what the goal is of the Codes for Connection series. And that is this, to help as many people as we can feel true confidence in any social circumstance, um, whether that's just after a breakup or whether that's approaching a whole group of people of the opposite gender by yourself to start a conversation, whatever it is, like we want to be able to help people overcome like fears and anxieties in social situations um, and feel truly confident and get back to feeling truly confident on those days where we're just having a funk, like we're just feeling off. I know that we all do and we're really, really good at hiding it in America. Um, but we all have those days where we just don't feel like ourselves. Um, as a dating coach, one of the most common things that guys would tell me is, um, I can't talk to girls I'm actually interested in. Like, why? How do I do that? Like, I got that so often. Be like, it, like, if I don't like her, it doesn't matter. I'm just like the most confident guy in the world, like super charismatic, right? <laughs> and then as soon, as soon as I'm interested, they're just like, um, why did I just say that? You know? like, Exactly. So that's a real thing, and not just for guys. That's an isolated example, but um, that's a really common thing, right? Um, and so, if nothing else, even if like tonight was just like a one-time wonder, it was like a cool experience, and you're like, yeah, that was cool, but not for me. Totally fine. Our like primary goal tonight is to provide at least one thing of value you can walk away with and use in your life, whether you want to like come back and learn more or not. And that one thing that we want to provide is a principle. It's, a, it's like a pattern. It's a set of things that, that we do like every day to get out of a funk, to feel better, to feel like ourselves again um, quickly. Um, my wife, Allison, will often say, I don't have to feel this way. I love that. I love being able to say my wife as well. Like, <laughs> That's my wife, Allison. She's behind the camera. She's the best. <laughs> Anyway, she, she'll say that all the time. Like, you don't have to feel this way. Like, you don't have to be off for days. You can, you, like, you, can, you can get yourself out of the rut, which I love. It's such a hopeful thing. So anyway, that's the goal of the series, um, and that's, that's what we're hoping to accomplish tonight. How many of you, by raise of hand, thank you, David. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but for real, how many of you have ever had a really off day? How many of you ever had a really off day last year because of everything that was going on during 2020? (laughs) Yeah. I think that almost every single person did to some degree or another. 2020 was a weird year for everybody, right? And, and And it's interesting because so many people turned straight to social media. So many people were craving connections and they didn't know exactly where to go with it. They didn't know exactly what they should mm. be doing. And social media use exploded. And it's interesting, we're going to be talking about it just a little bit later, how the correlation between anxiety when it comes to connection and social media have a very, very, how do I say this? They're kind of tied together. Mm. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, one of the big things we've discovered as we've like, thought about this and prepared for this is that in reality, um, there's two paths we can take when it comes to the hard emotional things we go through, especially in social situations like dating or friendships or whatever. There's two paths we can take when things go bad. 
when we're hurting, when we feel embarrassed or frustrated or heartbroken or whatever. Um, we decided to call one of them the empath and the other one the apath. Um, let me explain. Um, oftentimes we see singles, specifically when they start to get on in years and they're, um, you know, in their mid-singles or whatever, they've had so many heartbreaks that they start to just kind of put up some heart walls and they're like, I don't want to hurt anymore. And because of that, they choose the apath. They, beca- they become apathetic, right? They're like, I don't care. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to do me. You know, individualistic society, and there goes the family out the window. The other choice is to turn to Christ with our heartbreaks and let them turn, let him turn them into empathy, right? The empath. Um, and I love that because that way um, we're not numbing ourselves, right? All of a sudden, like, we can still feel and we come back stronger and more resilient. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, one, the first big thing we want. We want to share several things about why, what, why we feel what we're doing is so important. That's one of the first things is because we see that happening. We see a lot of the APATH. A lot of singles in our generation taking the APATH. Um, I'm sure a lot of you can think of people that have been in that boat um, occasionally or maybe constantly for a while. Um, the second thing that I wanted to share that um, in my mind shows that this is important why it actually matters right now um, were some statistics from a BYU study. Um, and these blew me away. Um, they, some two professors at BYU started studying loneliness um, before the pandemic. And the, the article, if you want to look it up, is called Loneliness, the Shadow Pandemic. And just a couple of stats from that. Um, they say that, uh, I think I actually made it more succinct in the notes here. Instead of reading the whole thing to you, yeah, here they are. Um, Chronic loneliness and isolation can be as dangerous as smoking a pack a day of cigarettes Um, for your health. Like, there's literally a physical health aspect to loneliness. Um, This research shows loneliness can lead to inflammation, cognitive decline, depression, reduced immune function, and earlier death. Isn't that ironic? Like, I understand that there's reasons for social distancing. There's reasons for social distancing, perhaps, as far as those that are at high risk. But at the same time, if we're becoming lonely, our immune system is becoming weaker. And therefore, we're more susceptible to diseases like COVID. Isn't that interesting, right? Um, Just a couple more facts. The loneliest Americans are, in fact, the youngest. A whopping 79% of um, the Gen Zers, which is the generation after a lot of us, or some of you as well, um, and a 71% of millennials report feeling lonely. In times of uncertainty, dating, <laughs> we're most likely to crave the reassurance of connection. When we can't find someone close to offer support, loneliness enters. Um, and then they finished off the article, at least toward the end, with this analogy of the fact that feeling lonely, there's a stigma around it. Like I said before, we hide feelings like that in America. Like, oh, I'm just having an off day. I'm not feeling very good, right? People will think, like, you have a cold. In reality, you just feel off. Like, you feel lonely. You feel anxious, right? I'm seeing some head nods. Um, the, the analogy they gave was between hunger and loneliness. There really isn't a huge difference as far as the validity and, um, I guess, the physical aspects. They're both normal. If we're hungry, our signal, that's a signal to our body that we need to put food inside, right? Um, and if we're lonely, that's a signal to our body and, and our spirit, frankly, that we need to go connect with someone. And there's no shame in being like, I'm lonely, I need to go connect with someone. 
Just like there's no shame in being like, I'm hungry, I gotta go eat something. It's I have shame about that. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. That's a real thing. Yeah, he struggles oh. with grocery shopping. It's not an eating disorder, it's a shopping <laughs> disorder. He doesn't like it. It's like, will you go shopping with me so that I have food now? So that I actually go? <laughs> no problem eating, just shopping. Um, <laughs> anyway, so here's, here's the analogy. Um, if you're hungry for food, you don't, like the first thing you think to do isn't to go into the living room, turn on the TV, and watch the cooking channel. Is it? <laughs> Anyone? <Okay. laughs> I had to check. So similar to that, why then, when we're lonely, do we pull out our cell phones and go to social media? See, it's just as artificial. It's not going to fill that connection need. Just as the cooking channel will not fill you up physically. So that, was, that, was, that wasn't me. That was from the BYU article. No plagiarism here. But I love it. I think it's such an awesome analogy. But it's true. I, okay, personally, Carson, do you watch cooking, cooking shows? A little bit. Would you go watch a cooking show when you were hungry instead of making food? No, I'd make food. You would make food. Yeah. And it would make some dang good he food. He makes dang good food. <laughs> I usually come here because there's food. Um, but no, for real, it's, it's becoming a pandemic. Well, there was a pandemic. Here's the thing. There are lots of pandemics going on all at once, and they're all kind of intertwined, and they coordinate in a bad way well together. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, they coordinate in a bad way well together. Because, guys, we were in quarantine. They shut down the planet last year. This was absolutely insane. And the thing is, is that people, especially in our age group, I don't know how many people live with their families here while going to college or after college, but most young single adults don't, right? And when you're in quarantine, you're not quarantined with people, right? I have a cousin, and he told me, like, I, I, was, I was talking to him over FaceTime, and he was, like, he was like, dude, you shouldn't be socializing. You're killing people. And I was just like, listen, that's really easy for you to say because you're an introvert who has a wife. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm an extrovert <laughs> with no roommates. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Help me out a little bit. But the thing is, is that if loneliness, if loneliness is akin to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, and that has the same effect on your mind. That is bad. The other thing is, they did a study, okay? Let me just make sure that I get all the numbers right. They did a study at the University of Michigan in 2013, okay? So this was pre-pandemic and all that stuff that showed that social media use is directly correlated to anxiety, right? They did a study with 82 different people and they showed like how, how often they tracked, how often they were on social media, how often they were using dating things, like dating websites or Tinder or Mutual or whatever. I don't think it was Tinder. I mean Mutual because it was Michigan. But <laughs> anyway, you get the point. And it was directly correlated that every single person who used social media more reported that they had less satisfaction with their lives. And as we got shut down, as we got put into quarantine, all of us, I assume, some of you guys might have been champions, but like, I got Facebook. <laughs> I was like, put that on my phone. I got to connect to some people. You know what I mean? And hoping, praying that that would fix something. The thing is, is that our phones are super clever and social media is so clever. Every time we get that little red 
thing over in the bell, it gives us a dopamine shot, right? Dopamine is like, well, it's adrenaline. It feels good. It's the same feeling of like achieving something, getting something. If somebody like gives you something, it's like, Jules, I did the thing, whatever it was. And, and where normally I would have gotten that from like skydiving or something, I'm getting it from social media. And I would check. And then we get to the point where we're like refreshing a page to see if there are new notifications. <laughs> Who's done it? <laughs> Everybody has done it. They're just like, nothing's new. And you're like, oh, give me dopamine, please, please. Right? And so we're like increasing in this small addiction to something that's actually causing more anxiety while at the same time we're stuck in isolation and we're not allowed to see people in a world that's condemning us for actually connecting to people. This is a big deal, guys. The thing is, is that our brains and our minds, so there are chemicals in our brain, right? I already mentioned dopamine, right? But there's another one that I am a huge fan of. It's, our, it's probably everybody's favorite chemical in the brain, and that's oxytocin. That's the mm. friendship chemical. When you get a hug from somebody that you care about, oxytocin's like, I'm here, baby. Let's go. Today's a good day. And it is. And you feel awesome when you're spending time with friends, when you go backpacking with a bunch of friends and make new friendships and make true connections. Holy cow. You feel so good. And then you make a video about backpacking, and you just watch it. You can't not smile because you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's flowing, and you're feeling great, and you're so stoked. You're hyped out of your mind, and things are good. But the world right now is pushing fear, right? And a lot of us got addicted to social media, and we're on social media way too often. But now social media is so scary. It's a scary place. And it's like, it's like you know how, like, they used to say, don't watch the news. It's always negative and it's always scary and it only shows the worst of the worst. That is social media in so many ways now. It's all around fear and that is a different chemical. It's a hormone called, um, help me, what is it? Um, Why do I lose this? It, cortisol. cortisol. It's the I was stress about to look, one. I was like, I wrote this in my notes. Don't you forget how to say cortisol. <laughs> but, but when cortisol is flowing through the brain, that's the amyg amygdala. Amygdalas? The Padme amygdalas? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Ailey's dying. <laughs> That's your amygdala is spiking up and it's saying, you're in danger. Things are not safe. This is what gave us fight or flight. This is because of Primitively, it kept us safe from saber-toothed tigers and from opposite tribes, and things were dangerous, and we actually needed this. This is what makes a deer perk up its ears and start running before it ever sees a lion. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that when we're on social media and we're told that things are burning down to the ground, and the thing is, they have been, that is terrifying. And when our bodies and when our minds have cortisol flowing through them, then oxytocin doesn't have a place. It literally shuts mm. that down. And it shuts down immune function. And it isolates us from people. And it cuts off communication. If you're in a work environment, if you're in a work environment that promotes competition rather than teamwork, then you feel cortisol. You feel stressed. You're like, if I don't get this before that guy gets it, then he gets the promotion and I don't. It's Terrifying, and so it stops us from working together. It stops connection, right? And right now we're on a small mission to, to help us get the correct chemicals in our brains flowing. Everybody says, oh, but anxiety is just an imbalance in the brain of chemicals. You're right, and the world is promoting that. 
If we look at studies, anxiety has shot through the roof to the point where in 2017, one in six college-age kid was diagnosed with clinical anxiety. One in six, and that's in 2017, okay? That's the real pandemic. That's huge. That's a big deal. And how much worse has it gotten since then with the world ending and everything? You know what I mean? You had something. Oh, that was it. I was just going to interject there with that. Um, we, had, we found some more st uh, statistics that I think Peter has here, though, on, like, what it's causing. Like, what all this anxiety and, um, and loneliness is causing. The, the thing is, so if we look at... Okay, this is, this is where I get a little bit serious and a little less stoked. I'm still stoked, but it's like, this is a serious topic. Heaviest part of the whole thing. This night. is the But it's real part. and it's important that we know what's going on. Right. This is... Okay. Guys, suicide is very, very real, and it happens to be the leading cause, the second highest cause of death in young adults and teenagers. That's, that's a big deal, right? And if we look, let's just take a look really, really quick at the numbers, right? I mentioned this at the last thing we did, too, but, like, I know someone that called the suicide hotline a while ago, and... Um, they got like an answering machine that was like, due to high volume of calls, your wait time is approximately. And it was like too long for her to want to stay, like on the line. Like that's how bad it's getting. She's okay though. She is. As if she's not dead. <laughs> um, um, but no, the thing is, is that this is a real problem. This is one of the things that I do with my clients. I tell them, because I've, I've been... So I started coaching. Wow, this is not the story. This is a story for another time. But I started my coaching business because I struggled with anxiety to such a degree that I was very suicidal for a, uh, a, for a long time. And I've been on a waiting list with the suicide hotline. The suicide hotline people, they're super nice once you get there. But I was like, I never want to have to go through a wait like that ever again. And I never want one of my clients to have to go through a wait like that, ever. Because guess what? Getting the courage to call a suicide hotline to admit that something's wrong in the first place is fetching hard. Whew, wow, okay, it's really difficult. And to get on a call and be told, hey, you're not special enough for us to answer the phone right now is hard. And I know that's not what they say, but that's how it feels. That hurts so badly. So with my clients, I make sure, I'm like, listen, if you're in a dark place, please call me because I want to be there for you. I want to help you. I don't want you to feel alone. And if I can't answer because I'm with the client or somebody else or something else, I will text you and I'll call you as fast as I can. My clients can't attest to this. I answered the phone and fell off a cliff once. <laughs> it's not a joke <laughs> because I had to take the call. <laughs> um, was that but, one of our hikes? What? Was that one of our hikes or when no. you were in Logan? No, it was that right after I shot your engagements in oh. Snow Canyon. It was like the day after you left, I was hiking. I was racing up to see the sunset. My shoes oh, broke, you, you and I left them and yeah. kept running and okay. ran back down, got a call, and I had my shoes in one hand and my phone camera. And I was like, okay, and I took it, right? <laughs> Listen, I want to be there for people, but not only that. Here's the problem is that suicide rates being so high, so insanely high, because people feel a lack of connection. People feel that they can't communicate. This is dangerous stuff. In 2018, among young adults, in 2018, among young adults, suicide rates were at 10.7% of young adults committed suicide. It's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who have given up hope because they can't connect to people 
where they feel that somehow, some way, they can't beat their anxiety. Somehow, some way, the atonement of Jesus Christ isn't sufficient enough for what I'm going through currently. That breaks my heart. But now, if we look at August 2020, this isn't even all the way through the year. 25.5%. This is a huge, huge, huge deal. And I, I exaggerated a little bit as I, I just realized this. This is people who have genuinely considered not everybody who has. This is taking out the amount of people who have committed suicide, and this is solely people who have considered it and or attempted it. Does that make sense? Still way too high. 25% of people have seriously thought about taking away their own life. And that's not including the people who actually went through with it. This is a big deal. And that, I just, listen guys. Every, okay, am I going to quote scripture here? Like we just went over this in Doctrine and Covenants. Like the worth of every soul is so great to everybody else, but nobody knows it. If somebody were committing suicide, let's say we knew about it. This group right here, right now, we knew that somebody was about to jump off of a bridge. I guarantee that every single one of us would race to that bridge to try to help that person. Right? So why did they end up there in the first place? It's because they have no idea how to talk to people. They have no idea that there are people like us who would care about them in the first place. And that is so hard. Yeah. Maybe they've been off for weeks, you know, not just a day, not just part of a day, but they've been off for weeks or months. And that, like, being off kind of compounds and um, they get so low to where it's just like it hurts to wake up in the morning, right? Um, and this is, this is the reality. Um, Peter and I originally started to think about this, just like th about doing this just because we wanted to, like, promote connection and dating and marriage and, like, eternal marriage. Like, that was the original goal, and it's still there. But it wasn't until we really started to, to brainstorm the content for this video series that we're, that we're starting and that we're going to be creating between each one of these series where we talk in person. Um, while we were talking about that content, um, Peter was like, hey, this, there's more here. Like, God wants us to do more than just help people get married, which is huge. Like, this could save lives. <laughs> and uh, the spirit was strong. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like... The, the principles that we want to help people understand really could. So, um, can I say something really great? Yeah, jump in. This was a moment. I know I talk too much. I get so hyped to tell stories. That moment that he just described was, guys, here's the thing. This is, this is <laughs> difficult for, for anybody because guess what? If we're being honest, Nate and I are kind of <laughs> a little unqualified, right? We're a little bit unqualified to try to take on what we're trying to take on. Because guess what? I started all of the stuff that I started because I struggled with anxiety. I still struggle with anxiety in relationships. It's a little weird now because it's like when I experience anxiety, I've done a lot of coaching and I'm like, whoa, cool, I'm, having, I'm panicking, great. How to write this down. Let me figure this out so I can help other people. <laughs> actually really true, it but is. it's like... That, that's how the last several brainstorming sessions have started. I'm like, it's I'm anxious? Office. Help. <laughs> and um, like, this is good. We'll put it into the course. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, so it's, but the thing is, is that I feel underqualified to teach. I feel underqualified to try to help people overcome anxiety in the realm of dating and connection because guess what? It's something kind of difficult for me. 
And if God gives you a mission to try to teach something that you, is the exact thing that you struggle with, that's a difficult mission. But here's the thing. And I'm going to be, this is a testimony. Okay, listen. Nate said that the Spirit was really strong when I came to him. And I was like, you know, this is, this is more than just helping people with connection. This is, we're going to save lives. Because I have friends who have been in really dangerously low situations because of breakups. Where they don't know how to react. They don't know how to take things. They don't know what to do. And that is scary. So this whole thing is designed to help people like you guys who are stellar people. Some of you might be hurting on the inside, but this is for every single person. This is for every single person so that we can truly eradicate fear in any way that we possibly can and live a life where we can be truly happy and truly confident in everything no matter what, what happens. Faith through it all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like Peter said, like... I don't know, we might be underqualified, um, but that's okay, because we feel like these are God's principles, um, principles of like of truth, Christ being the truth that sets us free from anxieties. Um, and we're not going to solve all the suicide problems overnight. We don't have control over that. What we do have control over is our choice to try, um, our choice to try and do something good, have a good influence. Um, and so we were thinking about that, and we were like, well, what can we do? What can we invite other people to, to help us do? And from our experience and research and coaching, we were like, I think the area where we have the most experience is probably in helping um, people not feel so anxious or worried in connecting. Um, and that's exciting, because I feel like it's a big need, especially where we live, and especially with our generation. Um, and so that's, that's what Codes for Connection is, the code is the idea that um, if we're anxious or worried about a social situation, then that's those anxious, worried feelings are tied to a fear. Um, we know who the father of all of those is. <laughs> um, and those fears um, are, are always um, tied to lies. That's why, that's why I said Satan's the father of them. Um, if you're fearing something, it's always because there's some sort of a lie or half-truth behind it. Um, think about it. Do you fear anything when like you're feeling like you're having like an awesome spiritual experience and the Holy Ghost is strong and your testimony is strong or you're on a mission and you're bearing testimony? You don't fear anything, right? It's in the moments where we where we we're feeling fearful that there's some sort of a lie there, um, and we want to like talk more about that. But the code for connection basically is is that that we have fears that lead into these anxieties and these inabilities to feel good and connect. Those fears are based on lies. If we can figure out what those lies are, um, or have truths, or whatever those beliefs are, then we're able to kind of unwind the, the tangle, if you will, and like, oh, like that's what's going on. That doesn't belong here. <laughs> you throw it out, right? And you're like, well, let's replace it with the truth. Right? And that's Jesus Christ. He is the truth, the way, and the life. The truths that really set you free from anxiety are almost always centered on Jesus Christ and his atonement, which is so cool. Um, but there's different levels of fear that we experience, right? Different levels of anxiety, especially with different relationships. Um, and yeah, that's what makes it tricky, is there's like a ton of different levels and stages of, of fears and anxieties. Okay, so I'm going to interject. This is a timeout. So I got to be honest with you, I kind of feel like we should just really quick brief over the next bit and then get to the hopeful part, because I'm ready to feel hopeful. Deal. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds great. Um, Kylie, we're glad you're here.
Hey, awesome. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, so um, let's see. The next. Do we want to talk about the eight fears that we've. We, okay, so basic, quick rundown. Listen, this I, is what we did. I got it right here. We found that almost every single fear that anybody can experience, any kind of anxiety, even that's little, even if it's just like, are they going to call me? Anything from anything from that to, I don't want to take it anymore. All of that kind of falls within a specific category of eight fears that we've found kind of encapsulate everything. So the series of seminars, we're going to be going over and teaching these different lies, right? Each lie, all of the different fears, all of the different anxieties that can stem from that, and then how to replace that fear with Christ, how to feel truly confident in Christ and to be honest, how to do it yourself rather than relying on us every time. We're going to do our best. Yeah, we want to do some <laughs> group coaching it. and stuff, which will be fun. But we've did, done a lot of research. Um, we've, you guys have seen the posts we've put up on the Facebook group as well as just publicly, like what stresses you out about dating. We've been like taking note, um, not only now, but with a lot of the research and interviews and posts I did while I was coaching a lot, doing a lot of the dating coaching. Um, and these are the big eight that we feel like are the most common in Utah Valley. Uh, so, number one, being rejected. Um, number two, not being good enough. Uh, number three, heartbreaks and breakups. Number four, judgment and embarrassment. Number five, um, having to reject others uh, or hurting others. The fear of All the girls that. smile. <laughs> <laughs> I have to reject him. And I'm so scared of it. I don't want to hurt him, right? That's a real thing. That's a very, very common one. Um, the fear of being too picky or settling, right? That's another really common one. The fear of being too picky or settling. The fear of just losing a great friend. Um, or the, feel, the fear that I wasted or I blew my shot with the right one. These are some pretty, like, big things. And we don't have time to go over all of them tonight, obviously, and that's why we're going to be continuing to do these about every two weeks. And in between, we'll be making videos for the course, um, which is exciting. And it's almost warm, so we can do it outside. Yeah. So just go outside. <laughs> um, we thought of a cool analogy, though, to help you understand the, the code for connection. Um, and it was, it was Peter's analogy, but I, I think it hits the nail on the head with this whole idea of, like, I'm feeling fear. Okay, that's tied to a lie. Okay, um, what we need to do to fix that is replace it with the truth, like, slash eradicate the fear and the lie, right? Okay, so here's the story. I love stories so much. If you're my client, then you've heard this story, or if you're... Somebody that I like eat lunch with, and you've heard this story. Okay, listen. Um, how many of you have gotten a splinter? You ever gotten a splinter before? I was a farm boy. Got plenty of those. I lived on splinters. <laughs> okay, if you... Oh, you know what? We're gonna... Okay, now I'll ask. I like interaction. You guys are all great. I love your hair, by the way. Um, let's say you got a splinter in your hand, okay? Or in your finger. I used to paint, so I had to, like do all of the caulking between all of these things for like days. I literally, my like laptop only reads this fingerprint because these fingerprints were all gone <laughs> from painting all the time. And when I would pull like this, there were so many times that there would be a piece of wood and I'd get this sliver like that big right up into my finger, right? And every time I was just like, why do I work? I don't like this job. I gotta start a business. Wow. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so I go out to my car and I had a sewing kit because who doesn't have a sewing kit in their car? And I pulled that out with like the, the needle and the tweezers. There was this time, there was this time that I 
So I was a gymnast growing up. That's, that was my sport. That was all I did. And you, has anybody been to Bear Lake? Raise your hand if you've been to Bear Lake. You know how it gets, like, it gets deep really, really gradually. It's like really shallow for a really long time. As a gymnast who likes making videos, I was like, this is perfect. So I could do flips along the shallows of the water and it was so cool and we'd film it and then put it into slow motion. I was such a cool little 14 year old, it's not <laughs> Right, but there was this time when I was doing flips in the water and suddenly I landed on something real sharp, right? And I'm pretty sure it's a piece of glass, we're gonna call it a splinter, okay? <laughs> so a, same spl thing. a splinter of glass. A splinter of glass, that's worse. Anyway, so I get home. I get home to my mom and I'm like, okay, listen. <laughs> I got something in my foot real bad. And she's like, okay. And my mom is brave, okay? She had like, she had an 11 pound baby at home. Okay, anyways, she doesn't care. Pioneer woman. Pioneer, yeah. Anyway, so she was like, okay, lay down. And I lay down on my face and she put my foot up and she got a little light and she was like, and then she went in with like tweezers and a, and a needle to get this piece of glass out. And as we're digging, we're going and we're going and we're going. We get what we think is that. We think we, I'm pretty sure we got that, right? And so I was like, cool. It still hurts as if there was something in there, but I think it'll be fine because like if it, if it heals, it'll like push it out. It doesn't do that. <laughs> and it calloused over, right? It calloused over. And you know what happened? I got used to it. I was so good at walking on my ankle. <laughs> I, I'm not even exaggerating. I walked around like this for, for, for like six months, right? And I remember, I remember that it was about six months because it was cold. It was winter time. And in the winter, the callus around the piece of glass like got like real tight. And it was like, okay, listen, mom, I can't get this. We got to get this out. And, and this is quite the story, but... It was quite the procedure because it was in so deep because I had been pushing it deeper this whole time while at the same time getting used to the pain, right? And so, okay, here's the story. We had to get it out with a box cutter and numbing cream. Oh. But we got it out, okay? Oh. <laughs> Pioneer family. Pioneer I grew up on a farm, okay? <laughs> anyway, That's so. another way we're very similar. Pioneer family. It's awesome. That's not what I thought you were going to say. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> we're both homeschooled. <laughs> K. <laughs> oh, my. I love you all. Okay. So here's the analogy. This is what, this is what happens. Is that emotionally, emotionally, we all go through small traumas. Emotionally, we all have things that happen to us, even if they're not even traumatic. Even if it's just a breakup, even if it was like a hard rejection, even if it was having to reject somebody in a way that you didn't understand and you didn't know exactly how to do it without hurting their feelings. There are so many ways that we hurt other people. And that's like getting a little splinter in. Right? Yeah, something. It's not just in dating either. This can like go, go back to childhood and something an older brother or sister did that just like you never got the rest of the splinter out. And that could be a reason that like you got those little ticks where it's just like, nah, I'm off. Like you threw me off. Be off for the rest of the day, right? Like it, it can be off for the away. rest of my life. It's not just in like, like dating relationships. It can be, yeah, it can be pretty, pretty far back. Yeah. So, and this is something that I do with all of my clients to some degree or another. Okay. But here's the thing. Let's say something happens. To some degree, it was traumatic. Some degree, it was hard. In some degree, it might have told us, I'm not good enough, or I can't do that, or I'm no good at that. I can't communicate something. We all have something.
that hurts, right? And here's what happens. That's like getting a little splinter right there. We'll say it's right there, right? <laughs> Gotta love the sound effects. Those Peter sound effects, though. I don't know how to not do them, okay? <laughs> Let's say we get that splinter in, and we do our best. We're like, we're healthy people. We take time to heal and to get everything going, and, and we, we get that out. Let's say we don't get it all out. Let's say it's deeper than we thought, and there's still just a tiny, tiny little piece right there, and it calluses over, and we get used to it, right? If that happens, and it bumps into something, it's going to hurt way worse than it ever did. You know what I mean? It's weird. When you pull out a splinter and it's like barely visible, how did that little tiny thing hurt so bad? Unless it was glass and you're stepping directly on it. Hey, listen. It. <laughs> Does that make sense though? Here's the thing. If somebody, let's say somebody has this weird thing where they just like to flick you. It's kind of annoying, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really hurt. It's kind of like, dude, what, what is your problem? Do I just do that? <laughs> okay, sorry. Let's say somebody comes up and flicks you. It's annoying, but it doesn't matter. Let's say somebody comes up and flicks that splinter where it's calloused over. How's that going to feel? I just saw everybody go, <laughs> Sympathy pain. <laughs> Nobody likes that. Okay, if somebody flicked a splinter, how are you going to react? You're going to scream? Okay, what else would you do? If somebody came up and flicked a splinter, what would you do? Pull your hand away. Right? Something else? What would you do? Okay. Okay, there you go. Now we're getting real. Okay. Now we're getting real. What would you, what would you do, Angie? My gut reaction is I'd probably just punch him. Bah! I mean, not hard, but I'd be like, Okay, so those are, those are all what we would feel mentally appropriate reactions. You flicked my splinter. You don't, probably don't even know there's a splinter there if it's an emotional All thing. you know really? is it hurt. I was flicking my forearm. I was like, did I play volleyball earlier? No, okay, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> but what you do know is that hurt quite badly. You know that hurt, and your reaction is to punch them softly or break their finger or, <laughs> or scream, right? And so... From their point of view, the reaction is way greater than the action warranted. And we all have that. Let's, for example, if somebody comes in and, okay, we'll go back to your analogy, right? I can talk to any girl. I'm so confident. I have six baby sisters, right? It's not hard at all. Girl comes up, she says, I'm kind of interested in you. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't have to talk to you at all. Help! That doesn't make any sense at all. And what, what that tells us is that there's something deeper that hurts way worse than we realize. That could be something from way early on. That could be one of the first relationships and like first reminds breakups. Reminds us of something. It reminds us of something. That's the, that's the question you know that I used to always ask my last roommate. What does it remind you of? And he'd be like, how about this? And I'm like, <laughs> right, right. Does that make sense? There are so many times when we get hit, we have something happen, even if it's a positive thing. We're like, ow, oh, didn't like that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. Does that make sense? So when the action, when our reaction is greater than the action warrants, then usually it's an underlying fear. It's an anxiety. It's something that we never got resolved completely. The light of Christ wasn't able to penetrate it. We still have that splinter. 
right? And so it's so essential that we take it out. Yeah. And it's not that the light of Christ wasn't able, it's that we didn't allow it by holding on to negativity. All right, we put up a heart wall. Um, and that's, I found that for me, that's typically the biggest cause for feeling off, for not feeling myself, for feeling nervous, anxious, worried, stressed. It's because, like, I had just experienced something that reminded me of, reminded me of something else. I just got flicked, right, where there was a splinter, right? So, um, what's the answer, right? The answer that I've found and that Peter and his parents have found and that most counselors will tell you and most life coaches is you got to replace it. You got to get that last piece out. It might be a little bit messy and replace it with the ointment or whatever you need to heal, right? Which is the truth. The truth will set you free. Um, And can I just say that like, while I haven't been married super long, we just got married two weeks ago. um, It's the best. I love it. And part of the reason it's so great is because um, Allison's amazing. She's willing to talk about how she really feels. Um, and so we'll have these conversations where it's like, ooh, you seem a little bit off. Like, you want to talk about it? And because we're both willing to be like, yeah, I mean, you said this a couple hours ago or you said this, you know, a couple minutes ago. And all of a sudden, like, I felt this, this negative feeling and it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not a big deal logically, but emotionally I'm like, Ew, ah, ah, I, I feel hurt, I feel frustrated, like, and because we have those conversations right away, um, we're able to figure it out together, and it's like, man, what does that remind me of? Oh, maybe that, like, experience with my sister, my brother, my coworker, right, my boss, like, oh, there it is, yeah, that's probably why, and that was never totally resolved, I still believe a lie about that, what's the lie, oh, there it is, yeah, that's probably it, cool, well, Hey, I feel, I feel like me. I'm me again. All right. Well, let's go about our day. Yeah, right. I'm a llama again. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, anyway, so that's, that's what we're trying to teach is the fact that it is like, just don't leave the splinter in. Like, just, yeah, don't, don't leave it. Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I don't lead you down the path that rocks. So take it from a single guy. Leave the splinter in. Just leave it there. Just leave it. Blame it on somebody else. Blame it on somebody else. Here's the thing. Often, and this is interesting. Oh, by the way, that was a joke. Please take it out. Okay, listen. It's so intriguing why we leave those in, though. There's so many different things. Like, for example, so many people will hold on to emotional trauma and hurt because they need that person to be wrong. They need the other person that was involved to be the bad guy in the story, right? If I can prove that I'm hurt and I'm still hurting, then it was their fault. It's not my fault. I was the victim here, right? And that actually doesn't help anybody Sure, maybe you seem like you're right. Maybe everybody that knows you and doesn't know whoever that person was hate them and they think you're an angel. That doesn't really help you progress though, right? And it's so interesting when we have those things. Like for example, this is a fun example. This is give you one of my examples. Okay, so I was dating a girl several years ago who had just gotten out of a relationship, a bad one a really bad one, where she was engaged the night before her wedding, she found out that he was breaking law of chastity with like a bunch of girls, right? So she obviously has a ton of trust issues, right? We start dating, and I have to tell her where I'm supposed to be, how long I was there, who I was with, what did I do? 
Did I meet anybody? Did I go to a girl's number? Did I do any? And it was like, and she went through my phone and like, ¿Cómo es la palabra? Revisard. She like went through. Reviewed. Checked, reviewed. Checked. She went through my messages. She like reviewed every my day, phone right? and, on and I was Google. Like, <laughs> and I get it. I totally understand. I told like, wow, you went through like a ton. And I'm a very social person. I love talking to everybody. And I give everybody hugs. So, you know, I, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> years and years later, here we are. Bang. Okay. And it's interesting because as soon as somebody told me now, years later, Hey, I'm kind of interested in you. I went from being the best friend of this person, so hyped to talk to them anytime. We could talk about anything. They were like, I'm a little interested in you. I'm kind of, then suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, do you want to see my phone? Do you know? I swear I haven't been talking about you. <laughs> I swear I haven't. I swear. And wow, am I emotional? There's still something there. <laughs> but that's literally what happened. I went from, yeah, how's it going, my best friend, to, I am on so much thin ice, so many eggshells. I have got to be so careful where I step, because holy cow, like, I can give you my phone. Do you know my password? You know my password, right? Like, it's fine, okay, right? And, and that shows me that something's wrong, right? And not only that, but on top of that, I was nervous around this person for forever after that. That is insane. That's because what switched was, Instead of feeling so much oxytocin and feeling so comfortable with this person, suddenly I was in a dangerous, threatening situation, right? There's a mountain lion, saber-toothed tiger, cortisol, right? Flowing in, blocked the communication, blocked connection, nothing's okay. And that's called self-sabotage, okay? So many people, we don't realize it, but something has happened. Some idea was planted, a fear, an event, a belief. Something has happened in our lives that prevent us from allowing even good things to happen. I think almost everybody here, you don't have to nod your head or raise your hand or anything, but I feel like almost every single person here has had some experience self-sabotaging, whether that's in school or relationships, right? And it's because we don't know exactly what's going on deeper down, right? Like a simple, simple example. That was a pretty good example, but here's <laughs> everybody's been <laughs> everybody's been in the situation where it's cold outside, it's dark, sun hasn't come up, happy winter, and guess what? You got a comfy mattress and a weighted blanket. You know what I mean? <laughs> so good, right? <laughs> so good. And then somebody comes in, probably a mom. I don't know who else would, but. Maybe a dad. Somebody comes in, flips on the lights, and pulls off the blankets. How do you feel? Not great. Snow Not great. Snowing outside. The, air, the, the heat in the house is turned down to 64 to conserve right? energy. <laughs> How does that feel? You're like, yeah, go away. I want to be in the dark. I want my blankets. I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> Problem is we do this all the time. We do this in business, and we do this in relationships all the time with communication. There are so many things that are holding us back. And then somebody pulls off the blankets and sh turns on the light. Guess what? Life, life is better in the light. You can't see in the darkness. You just bump around and you hurt yourself worse. And sometimes we think that the darkness is where we belong because that splinter's been in there so long. So the whole goal here is to fill it with the light of Christ. Absolutely. Um, this may be the last example just because of time, but... Um, just to give you kind of a concrete like idea of what this could look like, I guess another one because you've already given some great ones. But uh, a couple months before I met Allison, um, 
I was having this dilemma. I was like, I am so done dating people I'm not going to marry. <laughs> so done. Like, Anybody felt that? It hurts me. It hurts them. <laughs> like, why? Right? And I, I had this fear of, of dating people exclusively anymore. Um, even when, like, there wasn't any, like, real logical reason to, to end the relationship, there was, like, this fear um, of dating people, um, like, one step at a time, right? Dating people to date them and to see what happens and to learn. There was a fear of that. It was tied to the lie that it's pointless to date people if I'm not going to marry them. That was a lie I was believing. Um, and as I chose to recognize that and to look for the truth... Um, God told me very clearly, um, Nate, the reason you continue to feel good about dating girls that you haven't married is because for you, it's the perfect school to learn Christ-like attributes. And that was where I was like, like the frustration and anger melted into like, what an honor. Like, wow, thank you for being willing to teach me, even though it hurts. Like, those are attributes I want to have. Um, and it... Choosing to like accept that in um, and like you know get rid of the splinter and accept that that truth in um, made it so I was open enough to get Allison's number the night I first met her right and to see her every single day since um, and so I'm not saying that like I've I've figured it out I'm not saying that I'm the expert what I'm saying is like that's an isolated experience maybe there's some principles we can we can all apply right ongoing because it doesn't end after we get married like. If, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, now we've got to, like, be even more um, willing to be open and to get rid of those lies and replace them with the truth so that, like, love can flourish and an eternal family can be achieved. So, there you go. Guys, here's the thing. We're on a mission to help as many people as we possibly can. So whether you felt something that really, like, you, well, if you, if, if you heard something that you're, like, Huh. Or yes. <laughs> then keep coming. Bring your friends. We really just want to give this to as many people as we possibly can. Okay? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's quite an honor. It's quite an honor to know the people that I know here. I feel so blessed that you guys are in my circle. Um, that I've been able to connect with you. Especially because all I met every single one of you guys that I know here in quarantine or like in, since pandemia and all that stuff. Like, that's kind of cool. And I'm really, really, really blessed in that way. You know what I mean? But we're just so excited because through years of study and practice and applying it to ourselves and overcoming anxiety for ourselves and coaching, we're really, really excited to continue teaching principles and different ideas that you guys can apply and share um, to go out and help other people as well. Yeah. With that being said, that's like kind of um, it as far as, not kind of, that is it as far as what we prepared to just like. We did it. To just give you. Um, <laughs> so what we have left for the rest of the, the time that we planned on are brownies, milk, and Q&A. So if you guys have any questions, we're happy to answer them. Um, aside from that, feel free to grab some brownies. They're back underneath the awesome lighting underneath the counters. Um, and then we've got milk in the fridge. <laughs> Yeah. I'll clap for my yeah. Yeah. Clap you. Yeah. That's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you see why I called my company Stoked Moments? I get it now. I get it. <laughs> you get it? I'm ready. All the time. <laughs>
Uh, I've often told people when like telling them about Peter before they meet him, I'm like, he's the most enthusiastic person you will ever meet. <laughs> so honored. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any questions or thoughts or ideas or things you wanna you wanna ask? Bring up. Our questions, and we're just like pro. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did it. The course only has to be an hour long. <laughs> we we are really excited to make videos. Yeah. She shows up next week. Guess what? It's <laughs> true. Right. We're way stoked to be more specific about those common eight fears um, in both the following things, because each, each series we want to go over one of them probably, maybe a little bit more, and with each video course there will be several videos for each one of the fears with the different lies and the different truths, because each fear and truth is a little bit unique for everyone, right? We've all had different life experiences, but we're way excited to be more specific in, in the future stuff we do. So, Bang, bang. Yeah. Dude, we did that in exactly 58 minutes. Amen. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Right. Not bad. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Everybody, go grab some brownies. Yeah. And we have cups, Carson? Sorry, I should have thought to buy some or something. Yeah, then Yeah, so I came in a little late. Maybe I missed some important stuff, but. I appreciate the overall analogy about the splinter because mm. I think it's something that we all are unaware of. We, we're aware of the pain. We, we rub up against it every once in a while. And I've gotten myself to a point where I can see them and I pull them out. But the thing I'm working on is trying to intentionally find ointments or things that I can replace that wound with. Ooh, and yeah. so you brought up the light of Christ. That is very true. It does work. He is the what truth. Are, what are some practical ways that we can find that light of Christ and mm. apply it into our life? That specific Actually, truth. <laughs> that specific truth, right? Yeah, because yeah, it is really unique for everyone. Oftentimes when like, I'm talking to my mom or my wife or with Peter about something that I'm working through, um, it's, um, it's funny how like, the best thing they can do is listen, support, ask questions, and maybe like, take a couple shots in the dark at what the truth might be that's going to set me free. But most of the time, it ends up being something that, like, um, that I kind of have to figure out. As far as like, and the spirit will guide you, right? The spirit, very, very the spirit testifies of truth always. That's his job, right? Thanks for coming, guys. Anyway, yeah. Um, as far as practical principles, I would say that like, if you can start to have, um, and maybe you already do this, but frequent conversations with someone that's a safe place for you that knows the principles of just listening and asking good questions, maybe taking a couple shots in the dark, and you being super open and vulnerable with them. Um, that's the process we go through, and it's cool because as you approach it with faith and they approach it with faith, like, God will help you. Yeah. Sometimes it's not quite as quick as you want. Sometimes it'll take, you know, later on in the day or a couple of days later, but it, sure. but it comes, right? Like, God wants us to be free of lies, and he wants us to be free of fear. Otherwise, he wouldn't have commanded it, like, how many times in the scripture? Like, fear not, right? So The other thing is, is that um, oftentimes when somebody's believing a lie, we need to help. This is what I studied. I study a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just a fancy way of saying like reframing, right? Um, but figuring out exactly what the lie is and then getting yourself to a point where you can start saying the opposite affirmation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. For example, 
Um, I had a client who had severe body dysmorphia, right? She was very fit and very skinny and hated her body so bad. And, and if, if somebody has spent, in her case, like 24 years of saying, I hate my body, I hate my body, my body's ugly, I hate my body, I'm so ugly, I'm so ugly, I'm so ugly, I'm so ugly. And somebody comes up and says, but you're beautiful. She's like, I don't care what you think. There's no room to receive it. There's no room to receive it. I'm ugly. I'm ugly. I'm ugly. And and it was difficult because like trying to help that person internalize the idea, not only consciously, because sometimes we know something consciously, but our subconscious believes something else. Right. And it's there's a book called The Ant and the Elephant. They're like the 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 ant is kind of like your conscious mind, and the elephant is like your subconscious mind. Right. If you had an ant sitting on the head of a head of an elephant, and it was like Turn! Elephant doesn't even know it's there. <laughs> doesn't care. You know what I mean? But we need to figure out how to replace the lie, how to replace the false belief with an affirming truth that you can truly internalize. So in this case, I had to say, are you grateful that you can walk? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty grateful that I can walk. I was like, cool. Let's get you to the point where you feel really good about that and then switch to, I'm grateful for my body and then get to a point where you're, you can say, I'm okay with my body, I'm grateful for my body, and get to the point where you could say something along the lines of, I am beautiful, I am lo worth loving, something along those lines, but figuring out, and that's where like, coaching, the course, the, all of that um, comes into play because it's always so individualized. And specific, to the, so specific to the fear that we're feeling. Exactly. But that's, a really, that, that's the golden question, Spencer. Yeah, yeah, I, that really is. Yeah. going to, and, I, and I'm also speaking for those who, who have felt this way too, I, I know I've spent years going to church and going to different seminars, the principles are always the same, right. but it was, never the, the, it was the application I could never figure out, because it was like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, but it was, there was no individual application. Doctrine, principles, applications. Applications are supposed to look a little different for all Christians, because we're all a little bit different ourselves, right? Doctrines are the same. Principles are the same. We're supposed to apply the gospel slightly differently according to the dictates of the Spirit, right. which testifies the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. And so sometimes that's missed because we just don't listen to a sermon and goes over our heads. Yep. And it's like word for word, and then we miss the, mm -hmm. the personal application part. Yeah. Did I see another Absolutely. question? Um, Sarah, did you raise your hand? Yeah, I have. When you guys kind of answered it a little bit, but maybe if you have any more thoughts on it. Just as you're talking, I feel like... If I'm hearing right, it kind of sounds like there's, there's a, like a, uh, something you can get to where it's like this awareness, even just the awareness that like that last part of the sliver is in there. Yeah. It should be enough mm -hmm. to shift it. I'm just curious, like if you've seen that happen a lot, if that happens like all the time, or it's just like... It takes some practice just like anything else. Yeah. No, that's a really good point though, because um, you start to notice little flags go up. And I already mentioned one of them um, that Allison and I have both said occasionally is like, I know what you said or did. Logically, there's no reason for me to be offended or hurt or upset. Consciously. Consciously. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I always refer to logic, but that's what it is, consciously. But emotionally, it hurts. And I don't know why. Right? That's when you know there's still a sliver. Yeah. Still so then as soon as you're aware of like what's a little bit deeper, does it just kind of... Like that's where a release. I, I can't guarantee you. It's not, it's not just awareness. Um, that's the first step. Once, once you're aware of what it is and where it came from, 
um, then, yeah, it's, it's a matter of, this is the hard emotional work of choosing to believe something differently that you've already believed for a long time subconsciously. And it's hard because you're like, but I still feel that way. And it's like, well, do you want to like, you want to get rid of the, the sliver or not? And it's like, okay, I've got to choose to believe something differently so that I feel something differently. What's going to help me like choose to believe something differently? Well, I need, there's something more I need to understand about the atonement of Jesus Christ being infinite and eternal. Maybe, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, I know I'm not up there with them, but... Uh, She's very qualified. But this is like a world I stepped into that I didn't really like understand before. I didn't have that awareness, and it's been so cool to gain it. Um, as I've gone to know Nate and Peter. And, um, for me, it's like, I don't know, it's recognizing that I don't feel like down because, you know, I didn't sleep well last night, necessarily. And I don't feel down because it's, I don't know, it's... It's the awareness that comes, and then what the first thing I have to do is have the courage to believe that I don't have to feel that way. Like, I'm not feeling great, I'm not feeling like myself, but it takes courage for me to be like, well, I don't want to feel this way, but it's going to be hard to not feel this way. And so it's a choice, it's a very conscious choice to recognize that there is an option to change my feel. Um, and then for me, I have to say it out loud. If I just keep it in my Same. Mind, then nothing changes. But if I say something to me, or even to myself, I'll just, like, talk to myself in my car, mm-hmm. like, I'm my father, <laughs> like, this is how I'm feeling, and I'm going to try and change it, but I, like, I have to say it, um, so that's another key for me, I don't know if that It, it also yeah. really depends on a lot, like, you can ask anybody that I've worked with that I wish that every single splinter was as easy as knowing what it was, I wish so bad that that was the case, because, like, then, then the process would be super, super simple. You know what I mean? But there are some that are really... And sometimes it is. Like, with the day-to-day, there's probably, like, two or three things, and I'm like, huh, oh, that's probably that. Okay. Like, little ones, you, it's pretty easy to understand what's going on once you've, like, trained your mind to see it. Um, but there are definitely deeper, harder um, beliefs that, that we can acknowledge it like, for example, so I was, I was abused when I was a kid, like, pretty bad, by a cousin, right? And this cousin loves country music. And as a result now, I've hated country music my entire life. And it wasn't until, like, last year that I was like, oh, my gosh. He was over my house. We were in the yeah. kitchen. And I, I like country. I like a lot of the, the really good messages and right. stuff. And, uh, and I think I played something, and I was like, oh, you're not feeling it, huh? So I, like, turned it off or changed it. Well, I was like, I was looking at the lyrics, and I was like, I see why people would like it. I understand that I should probably like it. <laughs> but it makes me want to jump off a building. Like, I just <laughs> And now with that. He loves like, country swing, just not the music he does it to. I would, go, I would totally go to, like, like with head prime. <laughs> but that tells me, that tells me, hey, you know what? This is something deeper. This is something much... Worse, and it was there that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I was totally like abused bad by a cousin of mine who loves country music." And I acknowledge that, and I understand where it came from. I understand the source, and I'm working on it. And I still don't really like country music. I still really don't. Sometimes there's multiple splinters. Sometimes there's multiple splinters. Because it was more of an intense like cut or experience. Right. So it's like there's there's so much that that goes into it. Some of them, yeah, you can clear. Some of them, you know what it is, and you're like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel so much better. But some of it's like, bye, Kyle. You're the man. Bye. Thanks for I coming. Hate that. 
and I still don't like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, that's when things get a little bit more personalized. Um, like you can, like even ask Anna. So I've worked with Anna a couple of times. Is it super easy to pull out every splinter? No. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so nice if we could, you know. But a lot of them take a lot of different techniques and different work in them. That's, what we that's, study, you that's know. our faith in Jesus Christ comes in. We just have to trust him that, like, he'll lead us along. Yeah. He'll lead us along. Lead, lead kindly light. I'm ready. How are the moments you realize that life is a splinter? Like, say someone, Olivia says something that makes me really mad. She never does. Punch her. But, <laughs> Softly. Instead of not her, then how in the moments do I realize, like, oh, that triggers me? Yeah. Um, well, it was kind of like what we were saying, um, recognizing that the reaction is way greater than the action warrants. Mm -hmm. That's probably the simplest and easiest way to do it, is recognizing, wow, my emotion is so extreme here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not even massively extreme, it's just like, wow, that's more extreme than the event actually needed. You know what I mean? Sometimes my thought is like, wait, that's not me. No. I don't do that. Why did I just react that way? Like, emotionally. Like, that's not normal for me. Sometimes that's the thought that'll come. Yeah, that's... Irritable. Irritable's are really common. Irritable's really common for both of us. I just feel like everything you're doing is driving me crazy, but I know it's not. No, it shouldn't. Exactly. It's like, it, there's no reason any of these things should drive me crazy because they're not any different from normal. Right? Yeah. Something's Um, very often, those like splinters come by small and simple things over years. Yeah. And by small and simple things, it's gonna take to get them back out. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, it took 25 years to ingrain that sliver in. It's not yeah. gonna come out in half a second. And so, like, yeah. as we're working on our own progression and our relationship with Jesus Christ, it's really important to be patient with ourselves mm. and also. Be really diligent and consistent mm. with what you guys just barely talked about, replacing those lies with truth. You need to like be aware of it and discern it and replace. And you have to like keep on doing that over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just a one-time process usually. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that really is like there are more levels to it, right? There are cases where there's more there's more slivers or it's they've been in there for a really long time. And um, so two things with that. One, like we'd love to help you or anyone you know that's struggling with that, um, either with one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching when we set that up in the future. Um, or, you know, if they're not ready, if they're not ready to like talk to someone, then the video course when that's out. Ultimately, though, one thought I had is this. Um, like you will feel some resistance toward being that vulnerable with someone. You will. And it's, it's because of the adversary. It's because of the culture, the individualistic culture we live in. It's like, I can do it myself. When in reality, I have very few times ever had any luck at getting that sliver out myself. I mean, have you guys ever tried to get a sliver out yourself? It's super hard. <laughs> um, and and that's, that's what I believe is one of the things that's going to unify Zion, is when we start being open and vulnerable with each other enough to where we actually let each other help. How can we serve each other if we're not open enough to like, ask for help, right? Um, and so that's, that's another aspect. Um, Having someone that you can talk to that's non-judgmental, a good listener, and like willing to just be patient, ask some good questions, helps a ton. Helps a ton with that. Cool. We took exactly the time that we said we would, <laughs> plus five minutes, you got your five.
Uh, I better run. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming. You're great. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. Uh, we're looking at two weeks. We're gonna hope, yeah. hopefully do it in two weeks. I'm glad you asked. Are, are, you, are you already on the Connection Heights group event? No, I'm not. Okay. Sweet. That's where we're going to post it. Sweet. Yeah, we're totally going to post it. And any, any friends you think you'd be interested, like, that, that could be a blessing for them, too. Thank you. What was your name, by the way? Emmy. Cool. Nate. Yeah, pleasure to meet you. And who are you a friend of that you came from? Living Brook. Okay. Stellar. They're awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited that you're able to come and that it, it seems to be something helpful for you. Are you guys going to do it here? Um, that's going to depend on Carson, um, and I mean, it's, it's his parents' house, but it's, it's their college kids' place to live, and so we just need to get permission each time. Um, we don't know. Odds are that likely will. Um, eventually, it'd be fun to do it outside, just to be outside. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, thank you. Good to meet you. Hey, you got a haircut. You look good. I like it a lot.